Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. I know I'm not as good looking as Jesse, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit today. I'm going to share what God has on my heart. And, uh, you know, we have some great pastors, and I uh, just want to give honor where honor is due. Jesse and Stephanie, they work hard, and, and their heart is just all in. And God, you just see God off of them when you talk to them, when you meet with them. God is is definitely involved in their lives, and uh, I just want to just want to say thanks to them. They are, they are so amazing, and I wouldn't uh, I couldn't even imagine being here without them leading us. So uh, we got some great pastors. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter fifteen. Um. This is going to look like a familiar story for some of us. Um, thought it was kind of fitting for Father's Day. To be honest, actually, i got to be totally honest. Um, I'm a bit of a procrastinator, okay? And uh, I was wrestling with a couple of different things to talk about today. And actually, I kind of didn't want to do this this uh, this little passage here just because I felt like, man, eh, everybody's going to talk about this probably on Father's Day, and I just, I was like, God, can we do something different, and uh, so I juggled around for a while and tried to figure out, you know, what what could be different, what could be done, and God really kept bringing me back to this. Even other scriptures that I look at, God was like, this is really kind of where I want us to go today, so um, you may have heard this story before, um, and if you have, great, and if you haven't, that's okay, because we're going to dive into it, but it it is... um, it's the prodigal son. As in my Bible, it says the parable of the lost son. Um, so it probably says something different in yours. But we're going to take a look at that today. And this is a, uh, a wonderful uh, little snapshot of the love of God. And uh, he is a good, good father, as they sang today. We're celebrating Father's Day today. And like I said earlier, who better to celebrate than our Heavenly Father? Because doesn't matter what kind of earthly father we've had. It may have been a, a rough relationship, no relationship, or the best one ever, but none compares to our heavenly father. So we want to we honor him and, and, and just dive into the love that he has for us today. So uh, Luke chapter 15, I'm just going to point out verse 20 real quick, and then we'll go back and look at some other stuff here in just a minute. But Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it says, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That sounds wonderful. Let's pray one more time before we dive in. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you, God, that you, God, you just want to throw your arms around us, Lord. God, you want to embrace us. And God, we are here ready to be embraced by you. So God, speak to our hearts today, God. Show us your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm a dad now, 
it's uh it's pretty fresh still. Mr. Milo's about nine months now, or just turned nine months. And uh, that hollering that you hear, that's not really his fault. That's more mine. Because when we're at home and he starts making noises, I make noises back at him. <laughs> if he does a weird noise, I try to make it weirder. We just we are loud and proud in the house. And uh, so that's... That's what's, uh, that's why it pours over into here because that's what we do at home. He sees me and he's looking at me while I'm standing over there and he's like, why aren't you hollering back at me? So uh, when we just have a good time and it's wonderful. But being a dad means a few different things. Um, I mean, it, I have a child now and that's huge and, and a great part of my life and, and I love him very much. It also means I get spit up on from time to time, especially right before I go to work. I'm ready to go, we're feeding, we're, we're hanging out, and he'll just decide to spit up all over me for no reason. It's wonderful. It's the joys of being a parent. Someone say amen. Amen. Um, you know, but I also, I also get to join him in all of the joy that he has. I mean, he's little. I get it. I know. There's so much that his world revolves around. Toys and bottles, napping. Those are like his three favorite things. And I agree. I like to eat. I like to nap. And I like to play with toys. So uh, we got a lot in common already. But there's also some, some sorrow, some anger. When he gets really tired, he gets kind of cranky. Anybody get cranky? Yeah. Yes, cranky, cranky, absolutely. Uh, and when we get hungry, that's kind of ties into that tired and crankiness. <laughs> yes, saw that. Yeah. So you know, all the good things that's great, but there's also some bad things in there too that are kind of rough. And but it's still all good. Like in the cartoon that I showed you guys earlier, and I know it was just fun and games, but really there's a, a deeper message in that is that you know in and all the chaos, you know, we just get so caught up in being busy, and like, it, sometimes it feels like everything's falling apart around us, nothing's going right, and then it's like, wait a minute, we just got to take a second and just really, really just enjoy what's going on right here. We don't, we don't want these kids to grow up too fast, we don't want to just push past it, not just kids, but I mean, people in our lives sometimes we do that with, so uh, we really want to just soak it in and take it in, but being a father, it's great. It's great, and I uh, would have never guessed the, uh, you know, the level of, of love and frustration that I would have at the same time. Uh, sometimes it's frustrating. I'm just being honest here. It, it is. It is. But today we're going to look at um, the lives of a father and a son. And uh, Jesus is actually sharing this parable, and I love that Jesus loved to share parables. Anybody else? Like, I love that. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he says, and I'm like, what? And so were the disciples. What are you saying? And so he, he explains it. Sometimes he gives a couple of stories to break down really what he's getting at, and I love that. So we're going to break down this story just a little bit. Um, so Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 11. That's really where this story begins. So Luke 15, 11. And I'm going to reference some other scriptures, and we're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to have fun today. You guys want to have fun? Yeah, all right, let's do it. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he, di so he divided up his property between them. Okay, I just want to pause for just a second. 
what a bold statement from the son. I want mine, dad, right now. I want it, basically is what he's saying. And and so he, he splits it up. And I don't know if you knew this, but in that time, uh, if, if, uh, if a son asked for something like this um, and was kind of rude about it, I mean, I feel like he was kind of rude, but that's, I guess that's the parent in me. Anyway, um, he could have been stoned to death by doing this. And if you look back in Scripture, you can see that they, they, were able, they would have been able to take him to the town before other people and, and be stoned just for doing this. And I don't think this dad was, a, I don't think he was a mean father. I don't think that he overworked his boys, maybe, maybe a little bit. And I don't know, but I think maybe this son just, he had other plans. And he just wanted to get what was coming to him, what was supposed to be his, and just go do his own thing. Um, not saying it was right. Not saying what he did was okay. I'm just saying, I think, getting in the mind of the son here a little bit, I think he had his own reasons. But no matter the reason, though, um, this was just really irregular. This was just really off. And like I said, he could have been stoned, but the father still, he was like, you know what? Go ahead. I'm going to split it up. We're going to give you what's your portion and uh, let you be on your way. So verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. He got a little crazy. After he had spent everything there was, a severe famine in the whole country took place, and he had began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So he must have not been making very much money. If he's wanting to eat what the pigs are eating, he, I mean, he was working and he wasn't getting anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And I want to pause here for a second. Because I wonder how long it took for him to get to this point. Because you got to think, he was, he was ready to go do his own thing. He was ready to go live his own life. He had plans. And you know, just like up and give all that up. If you've set out to leave your own family to go and do your own thing. I imagine this was a hard decision to have to make. To admit defeat and have to go back home to dad. And there's nothing wrong with going back to your parents' place. Okay, When you need help, you need help. But this was not an easy decision for him to have to make. It must have been very difficult, and I bet he tried everything he could before he made this decision. I mean, I can't go back. I can't let Dad see what I've done. I can't let Dad see that I failed. I can't let Dad see that I took all that money, all those possessions, and I lost it all. I can't, I don't want to be a failure in the eyes of my father. Nobody wants that. And so I can imagine that this must have been difficult, very, very difficult. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the, I can do this, I got this. Anybody watch, it's not on really anymore, maybe reruns, but George Lopez, he would, a lot of times he'd be like, I got this, and he would like, I got it. Anyway, we get like that sometimes. You maybe don't do that outwardly, but sometimes we're like, oh, I can handle this, I can do this. This, this really is kind of just 
a small thing. So I don't really need to get God involved because I can handle it on my own. I can do it on my own. This is why I love when kids pray because they pray about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And that is amazing. Uh, We should be more like that. In fact, turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to flip around a little bit. I I didn't put these on the screen, so um, surprise. (laughs) Matthew chapter 18, verse 2. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We should be more childlike. We shouldn't think that because something seems small to us, why would we bother God with it that it's too small for God to get involved? I think that's part of the reason why we put ourselves in bad situations because we think it's not really that big of a deal, and so I'm just going to handle it, and it's going to be okay. But then we get into the mess, and then it gets a little out of hand, and one thing turns to another, and before you know it, you can't handle it. We can't handle it. Um, You know, we need to be more dependent on God. He is our Father. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my dad was like Superman. He wasn't, but to me, he was. He had super strength. I couldn't, I couldn't turn them nuts on that tire. My dad get over there and bust them nuts off that tire like, no big deal. Or he, my dad was a welder, so he was working a lot. He just, he, that was his, his thing. He'd get down in the dirt, and uh, to me, I, just, I didn't like dirt that much. I mean, I did when I was little, but not, not, as I got a little older, I was like not crazy about it. My dad, to me, again, was just my superhero because he, there was nothing that was going to stop him. If he, if he ran into to a, a challenge, he'd work it until he figured it out and got through it. And I think we just need to have that mindset with God. God, I mean, he's greater than Superman, of course. So anything that we need, anything that we face, God's greater than that. Amen? Amen. So we need to be that way with God. We need to be childlike, and we need to have that view of God and say, you know what? And this may be a small thing, but, you know, God cares. God cares about every little detail of our life. And so let's go ahead and just take it to him and say, God, I need your help with this. I mean, I'm going to do what I can, but I need you to do the rest. I need you to take care of the rest. So I, I imagine the son here in the story did everything that he could do. And then even here, we see that he... He tells himself, this is what he's going to say. He says, I'm going I'm to set out. I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he says this, and I think in his mind, he basically disqualifies himself. And, and he, he tells himself that I'm, I'm not good enough. I can't even be called your son anymore. I can't even be considered to be family and this is before he even makes it to dad, okay? He's made the decision, I'm going to go back. I'm admitting defeat, but you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm just going to say, you know, I don't even qualify really to be your son anymore. I'm not worthy anymore. 
And uh, sure, he messed up, and he did stuff that he shouldn't have. I'm not saying that he didn't, but I'm saying is that that didn't make him not his son anymore, right? Didn't, didn't change him, didn't say that he wasn't his son anymore. And we get like that. Um, we get like that. We get in our heads sometimes. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's just me. But I get in my head sometimes, and I go through a situation or I mess up, or something, I'm struggling, and I think, I'm just not, I'm not worthy anymore. I'm, I can't, I don't even, I don't even know what I'm doing at church anymore, because I just, I'm messy. I, I feel like my life is, is messy, and I wonder how many of us get like that sometimes. I wonder how many of us disqualify ourselves and say, you know what, I, God, I just, I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore, because I don't, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. Um, and I imagine the son just repeatedly told himself this over and over in his, in his head as he's making the trip back. Because it wasn't like I'm walking next door. You know, he, he went to a whole other city. And he, so he's making this trip back. And I'm sure he's just telling himself, like, I'm, I'm working out the story in my head. What am I going to tell? Anybody get in trouble as a kid? And you know you're about to be in trouble. So you got to work out your story before you go tell. Just, just me? I mean, I, I, I'm just saying. I got in trouble a lot, and a lot of times uh, I, I would I, somehow I would find out, or maybe I just knew. Maybe it was the guilt in me. I knew I was about to get found out, so I would be like, okay, how, how did this happen? Okay, I didn't say that. I said this and said, I don't know what they said I said, but I didn't say that, so this is what I said. And then you tell yourself over, this is what I said, this is what I said. And so you can almost convince yourself that the, the lie that you're telling yourself is the truth, and that's what this son, I believe this is what this son did, and I know this is what we do. We lie, we tell ourselves this lie that we are not qualified, we're not worthy anymore, and we say it to ourselves so much we begin to believe that that's true. But just like this son, we are still children of God. It doesn't matter. And this son is still the son of this father. I, uh, my parents went out of town once. Anybody's parents go out of town? And tr- trouble, trouble comes when that happens. I just started driving, uh, so that was even more trouble. Um, and uh, w- my parents, I mean, they were, they were fair. They were fair, I'll say that. I only had one job to do whenever they left. Make sure you go water the garden. And we had two big gardens, and uh, we had to run the hose from the well house all the way. I live... I guess you could call it a farm. It really wasn't to me. It just was home. But uh, I had to run the hose all the way down from the well to the garden, and they were big. I mean, they were probably the size of this room, a piece. And uh, it took a while. It was hot. I didn't really want to do that. And they were gone, and that was the only thing I had to do. Well, I can do that anytime as long as the sun's up. So I guess I'll go see my friends, and I'll do that later. So I left. Went to go see my friends. I didn't tell my parents I was leaving. They weren't there. It didn't matter. I was just going, doing my own thing. And I got some kids in the car, friends in the car. We're having a good time. And uh, I had one too many than there were seatbelts for in the car. And uh, I may have been driving a little bit fast. I don't remember that detail. So, um, But I, I went through this this light. It wasn't red. 
It was yellow. You know, when it's yellow, it means speed up, right? You punch it, right? So that's what I did. And um, sure enough, there was a cop. I got pulled over. And he sees a bunch of kids, I mean, 16, where I'm just barely able to drive, okay? And we're just a bunch of kids up to no good, really not up to any good at all. And, uh, I mean, we're being so silly, I got like a busted up Dr. Pepper bottle stuck to the top of my van. It was, a, it was an old van. It just, I mean, trouble was all over us. And uh, he saw one didn't have a seatbelt, so I got a ticket and a, a careless driving ticket. And uh, I was devastated. I was in trouble. I knew it was coming. Did I tell mom and dad when they got back? Nope. Did you water the garden? Yep. Watered it with my tears. And uh, so I found out what I needed to do to get this ticket taken care of. And I went down there and I paid. I was working a a little bit, so thankfully I had a little bit of money. I went and took care of it. It was okay. Nobody knew anything. It was just quiet. And it was good. A couple weeks go by. And I'm in class. I'm in art of all classes, like laid back. We're having a good time. I've pretty much forgotten about this ticket at this point. My mom worked at the school in the superintendent's office. It wasn't a big school, so you could kind of walk to every building. And uh, I felt something in me that was not good. And I turned around, and she's standing at the door, and she's got it cracked open a little bit. And she's looking at me, and she's like, Tanner. And I just. Oh, I'm dead. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what happened because I'd already forgotten about it. And she pulls me out. She's got this envelope in her hand. Well, I didn't know the insurance company was going to send my parents something about needing to raise the I didn't know about that. Whew. I was in hot water. Oh, I was in trouble. I don't really remember what the punishment was, but it wasn't good. I don't think I was driving for a little while. So uh, I say all that to say is that, you know, sometimes we, we, we make up these stories in our head. We tell ourselves these lies that, you know, either we think things are going to be okay even though we're, they're really not. Or we tell ourselves that we're disqualified when really it's okay. My parents, yeah, they disciplined me, but that didn't make me not their son anymore. They still loved me. They still cared for me. They still wanted the best for me, even though I messed up. And yeah, I didn't go blow a whole bunch of money. It wasn't like that. But still, they still loved me, and they showed that love for me. So I think we do the same. We tell ourselves that we're not worthy. We tell ourselves that we're not called His. And I want to show you a couple scriptures. You don't have to put these on the screen. I'm just going to kind of tell you where they're at. I'm going to try to flip to them real fast. If you want to, it's, they're all going to be to the right of Luke. Okay, first one's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. I'd tell you the page number, but that's probably not going to help you out. That's what we do. On Wednesday nights with the kids, we all have the same Bible upstairs. And one kid finds it, and the other ones just wait for one of the kids to find it. And they're like, what's the page number? And it's great. It's wonderful. We have, we have a wonderful time. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. Where is number 7? There it is. In truth, I hope I'm on the right page. Yep. In truthful speech and in the power of God. Wait, wait a second. This ain't right. Oh, sorry. I'm just kidding. Let's go to 
Galatians chapter 4. We're going to skip that one because I think I wrote it down wrong. Is that okay? Are you okay? I have plenty of scriptures. We can just keep going all day. I don't want to keep you guys that long. Galatians 4 verse 7. There is one there in 2 Corinthians. I, uh, I'm going to challenge you to go find the one I was trying to find. And you can tell me next week if you found it. I'll tell you too if I found it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. That's pretty straightforward, don't you think? Hmm. No longer a slave, but a son. Since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. That's pretty, that's not, that means, you know what an heir, right? You know what happens when you're an heir to something? It means you get something. Usually pretty cool. First uh, John chapter three verse one. I usually use my uh, my iPad a lot, jumping back and forth, but I felt like I needed to read it right out of the Bible here. John, First John chapter three verse one. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not uh, know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And read the rest. It's wonderful. It's a great passage. It's a great reminder. We are God's children. So if you're ever wondering, are we, are we not? It doesn't say, oh, because you got that ticket, you're no longer a child. It's not, oh, you went and you went and did something you weren't supposed to. You were out drinking last weekend, so now you're not a child. It doesn't say that. I don't Unless yours says that, and if it does, well, I want to see it after church, okay? I want to read that. But we must never forget that we are God's children. He called us. He called us to be his children. Sometimes we allow this lie to, to, stop, to stop us from pursuing God. We, we listen to it, and thankfully, this son didn't allow that lie to stop him from going back home. He still went home. He still trucked on. He said, you know what? I'm still going to go. I'm still going to I'm going to face the reality that is. Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 7. Got lots of scriptures. See, I told you, we just keep going. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. We just have to ask. We have to seek God. We have to seek Him. The Bible says if we seek Him, we will find Him. That's what this son did. He's, I'm going back after Dad. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back home. His head's down. He's still thinking about this lie, but he's going back home. And that's, we, we, I think we overcomplicate our relationship with our God. We overcomplicate it. We, we, even though it says to be childlike, we, we heard that. We know that. Okay. We make it so complicated. And God's like, I'm right here. All you got to do is ask. Maybe you got to seek me a little bit more. Maybe you got to pray a little bit more. Maybe if you don't think that I'm listening, start beating on the floor and I'll answer you. Sometimes we got to press in. Sometimes we got to push in. God wants to see, are you hungry for me? Or are you just going to say, hey, God, help, can you help me out with this? And then go on and try to do it yourself. That's not, God's here for more than that. God wants to have 
a relationship with you, and that means he's in your business. You got friends that are in your business. You got friends that aren't in your business. God wants to be one of the ones that's in your business. Say, in your business. In your business. Thank you. I'm used to talking back to the kids, um, so you got to talk back to me just a little bit. Just a little bit. One more. One more, and then I'll, I'll move on from this. I promise. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Ooh, that must be a good one. Did you hear that? Check. Yep, I'm still good. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you there? Did you find it? You're not looking, are you? I'm not there yet. That's what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in the sight, in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To, to the praise of of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Wow, what is that? That was a lot. What does that mean? What is that? That's usually what I ask the kids. What does that mean? And I get a wonderful responses. I think I broke it. <clears throat> what that means is that, you know, I told you we're heirs. That means we get something. Well, God's saying here that he's pouring out his blessings, his spiritual blessings upon us. And if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, if we cry out to God, it doesn't matter what we've been through. We're redeemed, and he's going he's gonna to lavish those riches upon us. It's not, you know, we think, you know, we can't do it. My bank account doesn't look like it's going to work out. I'm struggling with this. And we think that God can't do it because his bank account must look like our bank account, right? Usually, it's, usually it has to do with money. Something bad happened. Or, or we're faced with a difficult uh, health diagnosis, and we're struggling to figure out how we're going to get through this. And we think, God, the doctors say that this is what's going to happen. There's no way to get past it. But God, but God, right? I mean, have you, have you read what the Bible says? Have you read what God, God is, He's got all kinds of stuff just waiting for us to ask him for some help. He's got all kinds of stuff. And all he wants to do is meet us right where we are and pour it out upon us. Do you know that you're a child of God? It's something you have to ask yourself. Something you have to know. Because we got kids growing up in this world that don't know what it means to be a child of God. They don't know what, what that even sounds like, what it looks like. And we need to be able to, to show them that. Maybe we can't break it down exactly what it looks like, but... If we know that we're a child of God, then we live that out. They're going to see that, and we're going to be the example 
that God has called us to be. You know, our relationship with God is more than just ourselves. It's for everybody that we come in contact with, everybody that we're around. Our relationship with God is bigger than ourselves, and it affects everything that we do, or it should. If it doesn't, I would encourage you to press into that and ask God, where can I have you more in my life? I tell people that just because they don't have kids doesn't mean that they're not a parent figure. Matt said it right on. You can be that figure in somebody's life. When I was growing up, I, uh, I mean, even now, I still consider there to be people in my life that are a mother or a father figure in my life. Um, and that's huge. That's huge. And you don't know, you don't, usually they don't know that. I don't tell them that. Uh, I mean, maybe occasionally, but most of the time, I just lean on them, and they don't even know that I'm leaning on them in that area. And so you may not know that, but somebody's leaning on you to be that parent, to be that figure in their life. And if you don't know that you're a child of God, if you don't know what your identity is in God, then we need to check that out because those people, those kids are leaning on you to see what that looks like, to be influenced by that relationship that you have with God. That's our identity. We are God's children. Uh, I grew up uh, in an Assemblies of God, and I don't, I'm assuming it was like this for a lot of churches, a lot of youth rallies and stuff like that. But we would go, and whoever the speaker was, they'd be like, you're the generation that's going to change the world. You're the generation. And it was great. Kids got pumped up. Everybody's excited. I don't know, was everybody told that? Like, did that happen all the years before? Was everybody told that they were to the generation? And, and I felt like there was such a pressure on, on us kids, such a pressure that we had, to, we had to change the world. Not to say that we weren't going to, but we had to. But the reality is, is that we need each other. This generation that's coming in, this generation now, the generation before, every single person has a responsibility. We have a responsibility to the kids that are coming up, a responsibility to them to be an example, to be an influence. We can't put all the weight on them, and they can't put all the weight on us. It's, we got to work together. We have to work together. We have to come together. Um, we need each other, to be honest. We need each other. Okay, I'm going to go back to Luke. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Luke, back to chapter 15. Go to verse 20. This is where it's really going to get good. I already shared this, but I'm going to share it again. So he got up, and he went to his father. Remember, he's telling himself this stuff. So, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on, uh, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That was pretty awesome. I can only imagine what this hug was like. 
I don't say he hugged him. I said he threw his arms around him and kissed him. He threw his arms around. He probably couldn't get his arms around his son fast enough. He's excited. To me, this would have been more of an embrace than just kind of a hug. This was a, and then the, the kiss was like a bonus, you know, just in case you didn't think that I was excited to see you while I'm embracing you, I'll give you a kiss too. This was huge. And that's what God wants to give us. God wants to embrace us. God wants to embrace you with love and peace. Um, as a kid, there was nothing better to me as leaning on one of my parents, my mom or my dad, and listening to their heartbeat, listening to them breathe. They could have just been having company over there, were talking, and every once in a while there would just be those moments that just hit, and you just got to get close. You get close, you put your ear up against their chest, and you just hear their heartbeat. That's why I love the song, The More I Seek You, because in there there's uh, a part that says that I just want to lean back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat, and that's so intimate, and that's what God wants with each and every one of us. He wants you to know that it doesn't matter what you're facing, what you've gone through, where where, what your status is right now with your relationship with God. All he wants is for you to come near so he can embrace you, so he can hold you, so you can feel at peace, because it was in those moments I felt most at peace when I was with my parents, and they would Embrace me. You feel safe. You feel secure. You hear their voice. You know that everything's going to be okay. Every person in this room needs God. And every person in this room should get to experience that embrace that God wants to share, that God wants you to have with Him. And this is why worship is so crucial. This is what part of what happens during worship. God's presence moves in, and He wants to embrace us. I want to ask the Worship band to go ahead and come on up. I'm getting ready to close here. It's so important that we allow God to embrace us, to hold us. It's it's hard. I get it. It's hard. Like this son, he this was not an easy decision to have to make to go back home, to go back and face failure. It was difficult. And sometimes we allow ourselves not just to believe that lie, but like I said earlier, to stop us from pursuing God, to stop us from moving forward, to stop us from pressing in to what God has for us. Um, so we're going to take a moment here in just a second. We're going to wrap up with just a little bit of worship, just a, just a moment of allowing God to move in. And I want to challenge you to allow God to embrace you today. But you're going to have to make that decision. You're going to have to make that decision to allow God to come and embrace you. Just like this Sunday, he had to make that decision. It wasn't easy. It was difficult. He had a long way to travel. At any point, he could have turned around and went back, but instead he pressed on. And he still was going with this mindset of, I failed. But once the Father embraced him, they celebrated. They celebrated. God just wants to embrace you and say, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is right here, right now, and I've got you. I'm going to hold you. We're going to have a good time, and everything's going to be okay. You don't have to worry about what happened. You don't even have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Just 
feel the embrace and just be at peace. So I don't care if you've been saved since you were five or if you're a new believer. I want you to take this opportunity. And before we do that, I want to share this text I got this morning. Jesse and Stephanie, they're on vacation, which they need, and, and everybody needs a break. And they are some amazing, amazing people. Their whole family is great, and I love them, and I already miss them. Can't wait for them to be back. But even on his vacation, he sent me this text, and I just want to share it. I feel like this is just spot on. There is a call sounding in the ears of those who have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Come back to the altar. Lay down your worldly trophies so that you may pick up a crown of righteousness. Come pour out your life of anxious exhaustion and be filled with the spirit of liberty. Come unto me and I will give you rest. Give me the burden of the dead weight you are carrying and exchange it for my burden of light and life. Come find new strength and power needed for the harvest that is coming. Return to me as the joy of your salvation and find me as your treasure and great reward. Remember me and I will pour my fresh oil of gladness over your sackcloth and ashes, returning to you back a spirit of true worship. I will clothe you with a new garment of praise to help you shed the spirit of heaviness. Surrender your cup to me, and I will return it over once again. Hear the sound of the call and return to me, and I will release the spirit of peace once again. Just, I mean, what do you say? What do you say? Should we, should we allow God to embrace us? Should we come to him and lay it, just lay it all out? Lay it all out. It's scary. It's not easy. I get it. But once you do it, once you take that step, once you push through, peace that you have never experienced is going to come over you. So let's just worship for just a moment. Right here, I'll give my vows. 
chapter 8. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? 
For as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father God, we hold on to that love today, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you would come and meet us where we are and embrace us today, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hold on to that. Help us, Lord, to remember that you love us and we are your children, Lord. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.